So what does that look like with us? Well, when I did go and, and see a man who's worked on me in the past, is really, he's a Christian man and just God uses him tremendously, he began to, to work on me. And he began to work in an area that had nothing to do with my back, so I thought. He said, I just sense there's a bunch, he goes, your, your brain for your nerves and everything really is here. And he started working on my stomach and pushing and just doing all this stuff and for like an hour while he heated up the lower part of my back. Did all that stuff, resetting nerves, turning stuff back on, getting blood flow to run. And, and he said, you know, I've just been sensing you've, this is why this is like part of your old injuries, but part of this is you're taking in a lot of stuff and sometimes you're taking in some negativity, you're taking in this and that, and it's not being released. And it's getting stored up. And it's causing some, some pain and some discomfort and some things to get locked up. And I'm like, I thought I was getting my back adjusted. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> We've all been there, right? So, so then as he began to heat those areas up, my body began to relax. I began to submit to those adjustments. And in those adjustments, it, there is some pain that comes from that. But what he said, he says, in about 10 days... Your strength's going to come back. You're going to be thinking clearly. He worked on my neck also. You're going to have a lot more clarity, this, 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 all these things. And guess what? It's happening. He'd also worked on me years ago, and, and I was there because my neck, I couldn't move it. Well, he starts working on my shoulder. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if you hear very well, but like, <laughs> my neck's messed up. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but I don't think you're aware. He goes, like, when did you hurt your shoulder? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that I even have. Like. He's like, well, your shoulder's out of place. He goes, I'm going to have to work on it and put it back in place. He goes, you had to have had a pretty serious injury. And so I started thinking, and there was a lot of them over the years, but I had wrecked at one time a Camaro that well over 100 miles an hour and had flipped it multiple times through the air through a telephone pole and didn't have a seatbelt on. And you can imagine what's going on inside the, the cab of that. And my shoulder, yeah, for like about a month, it was just, oh, I couldn't hardly use it. But I was alive, and I was like, oh, it'll get better and whatever. But your body, he told me, your nerves will start shutting off because, because it's the pain and your nerves will start shutting off. So I kind of forgot about it and I had lost some mobility, lost a lot of strength in it, but I was used to it. So let the Lord in this season of adjusting, it might feel a little awkward, it might feel a little weird that he starts pushing on some areas and it gets really funky when he starts touching areas that you know have been healed. But somehow they're, they're resonating some pain and some stuff's coming. And, and, and I, he showed me such a, such a beautiful spiritual picture of what's going on in my natural that I think um, I just, just want you to understand that this is kind of, and if it's not for you, that's okay. Some of you, I know it is. You're going through some adjusting. Allow the Lord to adjust you. Allow the Lord to put things back in alignment so that you can have your strength return. Because I'll tell you, my shoulder after that, oh, and, and it was true. And I wanted to kill him. I'll tell you, honestly, after that shoulder especially. And, oh, it hurt. I was like, would you turn those things back on for? <laughs> oh, I was like, I, if I see that dude this week, I'm going to hit him with my good arm, you know? Like, <laughs> but about seven, ten days into that, it was like, ooh, you know what? Like, this is pretty good. Like, so submit to that. Allow the Lord to, to work through some of that pain and, and let you get some alignment so you can hear him clearly and function and be in alignment because there's a ramping up. The next part of what I want to share with you, this is just pastoral there's a ramping up. How many has it felt like there's an acceleration going on in your life? Like, and it's uncomfortable, right? This is what I've been feeling. It is an uncomfortable acceleration. 
It's, it's the Lord. What's not the Lord is anxiety, fear. None of those things are the Lord. But there's an acceleration. And it's, he's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. We need to submit and get in line with that. And allow him and trust him, right? He's a good God. He's a good God. He wants us in, in strength and alignment, hearing clearly, being able to focus clearly. Amen? But it is uncomfortable. So with that, I want to um, just take an opportunity. And don't worry, we've got time to minister still. Um, um, in looking at some of this stuff, I've been really wanting the Lord to change my heart in such a, such a way that my heart was like his. And I know we all want that. But I've encountered a handful of people in my life that's, that was so radically impacted me that when I was in their presence and, and even when I'd hug them, I would feel like I was hugging Jesus. You could feel the love of God radiate out of them. And oftentimes, that's not coming out of me. And I'm not okay with that. I don't want that to be. So we have to allow ourselves when we see things or hear those things that don't look like Jesus, right? In our lives. It, it, we don't see it in him. So we can't, be, we can't be okay with it in us, right? And it's not a, we're not serving him out of fear. This isn't a, oh, I, I, I said this prayer so I can get out of hell free card. It's you come in contact and encounter the love of God in such a powerful way and it changes you and you want it. And I want that. So in this transition period, there's been a handful of times that, that um, and I've went to a few people that I've really felt like I got to say something to them. Um, but just in general, this is just an in general, I'm your pastor, I'm not perfect, nor do I claim to be, okay? And most of you are like, it's obvious. <laughs> so that's okay, I'm not perfect, but I do want to apologize. In this transitional period, there's been a, it's been very new um, for me and Jenny both. There's been a lot of, and no one can prepare you for it. We've been in ministry a long time, and I knew it would be different, but it's a lot different. Like, especially on a Sunday morning or even throughout the week, there's just so many things always going on in your mind of people and how they concern it. If I do this, how will that affect this and that? And, and then you have hopes of something and it doesn't happen. And, and you're just, sometimes you're not even frustrated. You're just thinking about something else. And, and I might've been like, well, it doesn't even seem like he was very friendly today or just know <laughs> there's a lot going on and, and we're growing, right? <laughs> and I, and the Lord is putting his finger on some stuff and I'm saying, you're right, Lord. I don't see that in you and I don't want to be like that. So, so cut that stuff out and heal those wounds. Amen. I surrender my will. Like I surrender my heart. And, and I just, as your pastor, I just want to, I, I want to apologize if, if I've been short with somebody. I know I have. There's been times that, um, you know, we don't share everything that's going on all the time. And it's, there's reasons for that. But, and I'm not making excuses. I hope you hear me. I'm not making an excuse. There's no excuse here. I want to be like Jesus, just like you. And uh, I'm not perfect yet. We're not perfected. But I am striving for excellence. All right? So when it doesn't look like him, I'm, he, he's being, letting me know this um, in all areas. Like, that word all is powerful. Like, I think I, he's making me mature a lot more. Because it used to be little areas. He'd give me like a little section and kind of let me slide in some. <laughs> oh. He's like, all. Okay. Hallelujah. But I will say, it's so awesome it is so awesome. Like James chapter one, verse two, when he says, count it all joy when you face trials. I used to, that was the most sarcastically, yeah, yeah, that's a good verse. I was so sarcastic about that. Count it all joy when you face trials. You know, the trying of your faith will develop perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work. So you'll be complete. 
not lacking any good thing. Count it all joy, brother. That's what I used to be like, yeah, uh-huh. But seriously, I, I'm growing into a place that I can say that. Like, thank you, Lord. I can count some of it, not all of it yet, but a lot of it, joyful. And, and where I wouldn't have counted it joy before because it is developing things in me. It is causing me to want to come closer to him and not run from him, right? I want to be more like him, not go in the dark. And I would just encourage you, in this time of, of adjusting and in this time of um, kind of like ramping things up and this, there, there could be some opportunities for that because it is uncomfortable, right? How many, you feel it. it? It's an uncomfortable thing. And let's give each other some grace. Can we do that? Can we give one another grace? And we know each other's hearts. We know we love Jesus. And, you know, if some, someone maybe steps on your toe a little bit here and there, we can just pray for them and say, Lord, they must be going through something. I love them. And, and I'm going to work my best to do that with you also. Because most you guys really never, hardly ever do that very much. But, but it, is, it is different for me on the, there's like 200 of you and, you know, like two of us. <laughs> so the opportunities there are a lot more in my favor to step on some toes. Amen? Amen. Wow. Should we even preach now? Yeah. So that was all free. Praise God. What is the worth of God? What is he worth? What's his value? Have you been thinking about that this week? That's something that's just... When you try to think about his value, what is he worth? His worthship. Worship team, you guys are awesome. You were worshiping today like you really thought he was the king of kings and lord of lords. You were really like doing that, not just performing or not just like, eh, I'm not really feeling it today, but it's my obligation. So thank you. You guys are, you guys are killing it, i got to say. It's like I'm enjoying this. One of the thoughts that I shared was we'll invest in whatever we believe to be valuable. Is that true? How many of you are investing in his kingdom? How many of you are investing into him? You're investing time into his presence, trying to get out of that soul realm, outer court realm, into the inner court, right? That's where we need, that's, that's the best place, right? getting in that inner court, the Holy of Holies. Jesus went in there and took his blood and sprinkled it on everything in the heavenlies, the real one, and gave us access. That is an awesome place. And that's where, that's where you start getting totally converted and overwhelmed in his presence. Amen? So I think I left off with you guys. I will say, and I told the first service, they listened a lot faster than you guys did last week. <laughs> they listened a lot faster because they got further on in the message than you did. I had to stop at point two, which is this. Praise the Lord. You will never bring your best because we're still talking about bringing our best to God, right? right? Not your leftovers. You'll never bring your best unto, doing it unto man. You'll never bring your best, your best doing it unto man and not doing it from the heart. I've found in my life over and over, when I, when I just was asked to do something, and I, and I just recognized, oh, I'm doing it for them. Sometimes it's not my best. It's especially not my best if it's not in my heart. I'm just doing something for someone because they asked me to do it, but I really don't want to, and that person could be a jerk. Maybe they were a boss who just always pushed, 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 and never gave. No one's ever worked for someone like that, right? I had, I had a family member. I hope they don't listen to this. They were called 
Little Hitler. <laughs> they just ran. I mean, I learned a lot and hard work, but there was a br another one who he would work that hard, but if there was thing, something that come up and you had an appointment or you had something, he'd say, hey, you know what? You've been, why don't you take that off? Or he'd say, hey, this is a Saturday. We got this amount of done. I'm a, I don't care what time. If we get, whenever we get to this point, we're going home. Woo. There's some heart in that now, right? So when we just do things under man and not from the heart, we don't give our best. And I found that and that's just a natural thing. So Colossians chapter three says, and whatever you do, everyone repeat, whatever you do, in word, in word or deed, or do, everything do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, stop. Look at his terms. Whatever you do, in word, deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. He wants us to do it in his name. You know why? Because he honors and values his name. And we should honor and value his name. So he goes on. Says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily from the heart, right? As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That's powerful. Ephesians 5 and 6, 5 and 8 says, bond servants. Now, this is what Paul would address himself as. James would do. Paul, James, it was his brother, a servant of God. A bond servant was someone that served from the heart. They had fulfilled their obligation, and then they decided, I want to stay with this man. They might have had family that served there. They, they said, from this point forward, I'm doing this from my heart. And they would mark their ear. And this was a Hebrew custom. So they were relating themselves to, to bond servants that has a master. So it says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as a bond servant of Christ. Of who? Of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or is free. You reap what you sow in that principle, right? So I'm going to share a story um, early on where I learned Colossians 3, 26 and 27 and had to apply it into my life. When I was in Teen Challenge, um, there was a lot of opportunities to serve. There was a lot of opportunities. We, got, we would get hired out to do the jobs that nobody else wanted to do. Like, you're like... It was horrible. Like, some of the stuff was just ridiculous. Like, oh, call the Teen Challenge guys. They'll do it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So I got called out to go do a job, and it was to, to sand this deck. And this was a big deck. It was probably close. Actually, it was bigger than the deck I lived, used to live out on Thornacroft. It was a three-quarter of, right, of a, a wraparound deck. One of a high rays, and in between all the major beams, it had the one-by-ones in every little slot. Solid wood. Now, it gets better. <clears throat> they give me... Sandpaper. That's it. I'm thinking, so where's the equipment? You're it. So I wasn't praise you, thank you, Jesus. 
especially after about eight hours of sanding a deck by hand with your hands. My hands were blistered, they were, they were shot. My attitude was shot way past my hands. I thought it was very stupid, it was foolish. Um, I could go on, on on the reasons why that was dumb. And that whole day I had a plethora of them. And when I got back to the center, I let them know about that. And I had my evening time with the Lord and, and oh, I started reading Colossians because I didn't know no better. Now I would have stayed way the heck away from Colossians. <laughs> I started reading Colossians and lo and behold, what does he bring up? Do all your work as unto me, not as unto man. And I had the biggest but in there, but, but, but. There was no buts in this. So me being one to please God with all my heart, I said, all right, Lord, if this is what you want. This makes no sense to me. This is the dumbest thing you've, uh, but, but I'm going to do it. And I said, but I'm going to need some help with this because I, I do not, I don't, there's no way I can keep a good attitude in this. He said, I want you to write Colossians 3.23 on each of your hands. And every single time, because they were right here in front of me, every single time you start to complain, or, who are you doing it for? I said, okay, Lord. And I did a lot better job, let me tell you. And I was doing a pretty darn good job, but I was complaining. That day, if there was a little spot that even they probably couldn't see, no, I'm not going to leave that there. The following day, they showed up with power tools. They said, you know, we've been watching you. This is dumb. That affected me so much that for the rest of my life on different jobs, when I was working in surveying, there was a season where I started getting a crummy attitude, we'll say that. My tool belt, every day, I wrote on my tool belt, Colossians 3.23. And I put on the other side, truth, is the belt of truth. I'm going to put on the belt of truth. And I was sitting up, I, I wrote it to where when, when I'd open up the hatch in that truck, that's what I saw, Colossians 3.23, every morning, first thing I saw. I'm going to do this under the Lord. I'm not doing this unto man. And when you can put your heart in that mode, you will do it in excellence. You'll never bring your best doing it unto man and not doing it from the heart. It's not possible. Not, not that you can't do a good job. You can. You can do enough to get by. So 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul is instructing a young minister in Timothy. And he says to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker, not a big shot, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And what I get from that is this. When you do your best, you never have a reason to need to be ashamed. Amen? When you do your best, you'll never have a reason to be ashamed. It might not look perfect. It might not be exactly how you thought it might be. But when you do your best, you'll never be ashamed in that. Amen? Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 8. This is Paul once again speaking about giving, Pastor Patty. And he says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Isn't that awesome? God loves when we give from our heart cheerfully. He's, it doesn't impress him when we don't give from our heart cheerfully. You may give cheerfully, but it wasn't from your heart. Maybe you brought something cheerfully, but it wasn't what he said he wanted. Or, and we can go on and on. <laughs> I, gotta get, I got a lot to get to, so we better roll. He will repay the same way, and I love this. I used to look at the reap what you sow thing really negatively because I reaped a lot of negative and sowed a lot of that, right? So when you're sowing a lot of the negative, you don't like you reap what you sow. But isn't God so good that that's not how he intended it? He intended it that when we will reap from our heart and we will sow from our heart and we will give our best, guess what he will do? We will reap that. Amen? Who wants to reap that? Praise the Lord. So, Matthew 6, 21. This is in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. Your heart will always pursue what you value, value as treasure. We've often heard it said that where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Right? But listen to this. Your heart will always pursue what you value as treasure. Now, I like that. That means if I can establish what I'm asking and what the Lord was asking last week, what is my value? If I can establish that rightly and put him in, in the highest form of value, my heart will pursue that. That's what that's saying. How many needs our heart to pursue that? It also says that if I'm not value him, him in the proper perspective, in the proper light, my heart will pursue something else. Amen. So point three, we're jamming now. Hallelujah. <laughs> point three, we must commit ourselves to worship and serve in excellence. Listen to that word. I put that purposely. The big C word. Nobody likes that. Commit. We must commit ourselves, which is our innermost being, our will. I must commit myself. Not, your, not my will, Lord. Yours be done. To do what? To serve in excellence. That's not perfection. Excellence, which means basically doing your best. Right? So let's look at this. How do we do it? Well, we got to look and say, we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We got to get our eyes off of whatever we're looking at and realize who are we serving? Who are we doing it unto? The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts. There's none like him. He's our healer. He's our best friend. He's our father. He's our master. He's our savior. He's magnificent. He's, he's majestic. There is none like him under the heavens. This isn't a reserve army. We're, we're not reserves where we just come in once in a while. It's full time. It's a commitment. You guys remember the little song we used to sing as kids? I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. We teach that to our kids when they're little, but do we, do we mean it? 
You know what happens at the end of that song? Who remembers the last thing that you do in motion? Yes, sir. Now, God doesn't want us giving us a yes, sir, because we're scared of him. You hear me? He's not saying, I need a yes, sir, because if you don't yes, sir me, I'm going to throw you in the brig. Right? If you don't yes, sir me, if you don't march how I told you to march, I'm throwing you in the brig. That's not his heart. But he's saying there's a way to march. And when I ask you, son, to do something, I want you to say, yes, sir, from a place of heart. Amen? We don't bring polluted offerings of our time, of our money, of worship, or service to the Lord of heaven's armies, to the Lord of hosts. We don't do that. This world has to see something different. The world has to see what we value and who we value. You hear me? The world needs to see. See, the world is not going to, we wonder why the, the world doesn't have respect and they don't honor God. The world just doesn't honor God anymore. Well, I wonder where they get that. What if we honored him as he rightly deserved to be honored? What if, what if the world saw that on Sunday there was nothing else more important than to come worship him? And I'm speaking to the choir. I get that. What if when there was opportunities to serve and it was between serving him or serving ourselves, we ran to serve him? What do you think will happen when they see that? They're going to esteem value. They're going to go, what is up with these people? See, when we don't do that, they, go, they don't see a value in our God, which is so sad. The world needs to see that we value him, that he is the, the Lord. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's our savior. He rescued us from hell. He rescued us from sickness and disease. He lifted us from a pit. He has called us sons and daughters of the most high God. The world needs to see that and hear that in us. Amen? I'm glad you said that. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 1, 6 through 14. This is how the Lord addresses through Malachi. It starts off, the Lord of heaven's army says. I don't know about you, but when I hear that term, that gets my attention. The Lord of heaven's army says. That's not just anyone speaking, amen? And who does he says to? He says, he says to the priest. So who does that look like today in this world? In some form or shape, yeah, it is all of us. But he's speaking to the leadership in that time. So he's speaking to me. He's speaking to our pastors, to anyone who's serving this congregation. Okay? And then it's going out. Because all of us can say we're, we're, we're uh, new covenant people, baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're prophets, kings, and priests. Amen? But the priests had an obligation to teach the children of Israel the Lord's statutes, to teach the, Lord, the, um, the children of Israel his ways, we talked about the, um, the covenantal laws and all those things that from, from the old covenant. That was their obligation to teach the people so that they would bring and reverence God the way that he intended to. Amen? So that was, that's who he's speaking to. So he says, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, 
where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. Now listen to that, my name. He's already shown a few titles in there. Father, Master, Lord of Heaven's armies. The word contempt can also mean despise. Can you imagine? He's speaking to the priest. To, you show contempt for my name. You despise my name. That's a sad day, church. And they say, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. And then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? Well, you defile them by saying, the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals and sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is. Can you imagine the Lord is having to speak to his covenant people and to his priests and say, I'm having to lower myself to man so that you'll understand this. And you aren't, won't even give these sacrifices to a man. But yet you're giving them to me? That's not a good day in Israel. It is so quiet in here. It's kind of creepy. He's saying, you're saying basically the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. That's crazy. Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. Does that just hit you? It's not just says the Lord. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. There's a little authority behind that, is there not? I'm glad you're hearing that. Go ahead. Beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering... Why should he show you any favor at all? Asks the Lord of heaven's armies. This, this will break your heart. It, it has broken mine over the last few weeks. Verse 10, how, this is the Lord, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. This is gut check, right? Can you imagine? God is like literally saying, and this is how he would say it to this church in this day and age and to the church in this day and age. When we bring sacrifices of praise, when we bring offerings, when we bring worship to the Lord, <clears throat> and it's not from our heart, 100%. He's saying, you know what, I'd rather you just close the doors the, to the church. And he's saying this to me as, a, as the priest. I would rather you close the doors to the, to the church than allow people to come in and worship with half-hearted praise and worship. That's sobering. I have an obligation to, to lift his name up and for you to see his value in me. See, the Old Testament priests, they, would, they, would, they had hearts. They had, 
they had knowledge and understanding of the people who were bringing sacrifices, and they could say and justify things like, well, you know, they, it's, for John and, and Jane, they've been having a rough summer. Their crops didn't come in like they were supposed to, and they don't have much money this month. So they just had this one little lamb, and yeah, it's close enough. We'll just, it's all about the heart. The priest's job was to say, nope, we've taught you and, and shared with you that he deserves our best. He will not receive anything but the best because he's a great God. He's a majestic God. He's a faithful God. There's none like him in the heavens. He's the one true God. So they would have to say, I'm sorry. But God made provision. He would say, if you don't have all the money, you don't have, that's okay. You can go in partners with another person, with another family, but it's going to be the best. If you don't have the, the cost for the, the sheep, you can bring some doves. But this is how they're supposed to be. And the priests would make sure that had to happen. Amen? That was their act of worship. It says, But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions. <clears throat> Notice he doesn't say with your words. See, we can come into church and say all the right words. We can come in and do all the right motions. We know what time we're supposed to stand up and raise our hands. We know what time when, when you feel that feeling and, oh, now we're going to do this. And He's not real concerned about the lip service. It's the heart and our actions that come from our heart. Amen? But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. Oh, that one hurts. I got to tell you, it's hard to serve the devil. That's the biggest. Oh, it's hard to serve the Lord. <laughs> Serving the Lord's a joy. Get miss me with that. You ever want to go serve a taskmaster, you go around with the devil. He'll rape and pillage, still kill and destroy. You serve Jesus, he's going to give you life and abundance of it. Amen. Give me a break. It's hard serving the Lord. It's a joy. We get to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We get to serve. It's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Asked the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who, who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. That's talking about vows. Cursed is the man who makes a vow to the Lord. How many do that? Lord, I'm going to give you this. We make these big vows. Oh, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you all my heart, Lord. Cursed is the cheat who promises the vow to give, and gives, to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. Listen to what he says. For I am a great king. It breaks my heart that God has to say this himself. Do you hear his heart? He is having to tell these people, us, these little nothings, himself, that for I am a great king. We should be telling him 
You are a great king. He should never have to speak that to us. He should never have to do that and say, what are you thinking? Don't you know how great I am? We should be telling him all the time and telling everybody how great our God is. Church, he has lifted us from the pit of despair. He has given us a new life of joy and peace and hope and love. And there was, what was your life before him? He is a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And my name is feared among the nations. Isn't that sad? He said, my name's feared among the nations, but not in my own house. Do you hear the bones popping? Spiritual adjustment time. <laughs> right? There's an adjustment. Ooh, ooh, I feel a lot better. Right? Right? Now I can get the flow going where it needs to flow. Now the Lord can bless us. Now we can receive all the things he's wanting to do in our lives. We're not all honked up. We're not all locked up where nothing can get touched to that. He's trying to work on us and we're locked up because we're so hurt. See, we as the leaders and we as priests, as just everyday Christians, we have to say, no, we will not offer those inferior sacrifices to our God. Just like the Old Testament church was supposed to. Those priests were supposed to stop and say, nope, that's not coming on this altar. God has called for the best. He's called for, the, for, the, for this such and such way. And we're not going to put it on there because that's not what he's required. He's worth more than that. So we must define that for people. We must define that for the outside world that, oh no, our God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? We have to, as, as leaders, as leaders, we must have that heart. We must train and teach. Amen? Amen? That's what leaders do. Where is the Lord's honor? We must honor his name in anything his name is on. If you, when you listen to this passage, he speaks about his name a lot. He has a lot of care for his name. So I'm going to say something really bold. His name is on you. His name is on me. We have his name. We're sons and daughters. We carry his name. So everything we do, are his name's on. He's really concerned with that. We need to honor his name. I would be real, real, real careful in businesses that put the little fish symbol on their business. You're putting his name on that, which means there's going to be a lot of requirement there. There's going to be a high standard that comes with that. You put that sticker on your car, I'm not saying don't do it. But you better be able to live up to it. I don't have one on mine. <laughs> That's one of those areas the Lord's still working on. But I'll tell you what, there's an adjustment that's happening, and, and it's about a, probably a two-inch adjustment on that throttle pedal. He's <laughs> got those hips adjusted a little bit better now. His name's really important. See, the world, it's, it's not for, the world needs to see it. They must see a difference. They got it. Whoa, the Lord's name's on that? Whoa, that's different. Right? It affects everything that we do. I never want to hear the Lord say, 
it's better for you to shut the doors of the church than to worship half-heartedly. That's what he told them. If you're not going to bring your whole heart, you're not going to bring your best, close the doors. Because it's dishonoring me. And then we, we, we expect the world to honor God. Well, why don't they honor God anymore? They just, the world just doesn't honor. They don't honor him in the schools. They don't honor him here. Where are they getting that example? It's our job to set the standard. It ain't the job of the world, the culture, to change us. That's going on all over the world. The culture is changing us, and God's going, what are you doing? I don't care in, that, in this culture that it's okay that you do this and this. This is my house. You ever feel that way? I, I've said that. I don't care what you do in your house. You come to my house. I pay the rent there. I pay the power bill. You don't like it? Go somewhere else. But this is what we're going to do in my house. Amen. Hello? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this is his house. And he's saying, hey, guess what? You're not going to follow this and close the doors because I'm not going to be disrespected. Not in my house. That was free. I better get off that point. Praise the Lord. I feel the time to chat. Ooh, get out of there. We will always reproduce after our own kind. I want you to pay attention to this one. We will always. God has designed that from the beginning. And, this, and the dog, guess what? The dogs don't reproduce cats. Cats don't reproduce kind. They always reproduce after their own kind. God designed it that way. So guess what? We will always reproduce after our own kind. So if we are a people who honors God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we value him as the king of kings and the lords of lords, what are we going to reproduce? The same. So what happened to the millennials? We want to, don't we want to point the fingers at the millennials? I'm X, so I'm kind of left out of that one. I don't point my finger at them too much. But who's before X? I mean, I, I, I sometimes, if I, if I get in my flesh, I can, I can slam some millennials myself. But, but I got to say this. Listen to me here. Where did the millennials come from? Take a big drink of that. These young people, they don't have any respect for the house of God. They don't do this. They don't do that. Well, they've reproduced, reproduced after their own kind. Shout now. It's, what do you think is going to happen when you as a people and me as a people don't value the house of the Lord? We don't make coming and worshiping the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength a priority in our life. When our kids ask, are we going to go to church today? Well, I don't know. Let me see. Um, yeah. Oh, no. No, we're not because there's this really cool thing going on over in such and such and it's going to start at 11. So, no, we're not going to church today. And the next week, oh, hey, mommy, dad, are we going to go to church? Well, you know, what are we going to reproduce after? But yet we want to tell them, well, I don't know what's up with these kids. They don't honor God. They don't come to church. They don't do, 
come on. I bet you it looks a little different when they go, hey, mommy, daddy, are we going to church? You're darn right we're going to church because he's the Lord. Look what he's done for our family. Look at the home that he's provided. Look at the health that we have. Look at all the things. You're darn right we're going to go worship the Lord today. We're going to give him our best. I remember growing up when you got asked to serve in the church. You got asked to serve. And it was an honor. It was like, what? You want me to teach a Sunday school class? Oh, I'm in. Oh, what age? (laughs) I'd have taught the women's group. I wouldn't have cared. The teens? I'm in. We're going to give you some, some material. I got a Bible. It's all good. I get to serve. I didn't come late. There wasn't anything else. I was faithful to that. You know why? I got to serve. I got to pour. I got to use some gifts. I got to put what God put in me and give out. There's nothing better than that. When you get to serve him and he pours into you and he pours out of you. It is awesome. It's much better than working on a job. You'll do that for free. I went to the jail for 10 years, never got a penny. It cost me. I got to go. He opened that door. I got to go take light. It's awesome. I get to minister. It's so awesome. I get to serve you. I don't have to. I get to. We're always going to reproduce after our own kind. Those who don't know the Lord need to see how much we love, honor, respect our God. The Lord wants the world to see how good he is through us in everything we do. The Lord wants the world to see how good he is to us in everything that we do. I told the first service, the Lord, I can honor the Lord by mowing my lawn. Think about it. I can give him a good reputation by how I mow my lawn. I can move into my little court, which I did. And I could be the guy at the house that, dude, that was a pretty house. That guy's a, he's just a dump now. He doesn't take care of his yard. He doesn't, man, he's bringing our property values coming down because of this guy. How am I honoring the Lord in that? I'm his son. Who, I don't know whose son that is. I don't know who taught him that. Or when I go out and I mow my yard, I'm not doing it for my neighbor or for... I'm going to mow my yard for the Lord. I'm going to edge that so it looks like I'm his son. I'm going to do this unto him, not unto man. You hear what I'm saying? There's a heart behind that in everything we do. You're not going to accomplish that in the soul. I will never accomplish that in the soul realm because there's going to be times I don't feel like it. There's going to be times I feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't, right? That's the soul realm. But I have a will that must be surrendered. I have a will that must say, God, I'm going to serve you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when he taps on that and says, son, was that the best? No, daddy, it wasn't. And I'm not mad kicking rocks, right? Because I've done that. It got done, but he wasn't pleased with it and he didn't receive it. Well, we're going to close up because we're not even done. So you get the opportunity to uh, 
read the rest of Malachi, not the rest, but just go read Malachi 3, 6 through 12. Write that down. Go read Malachi 3, 6 through 12. He starts it off. He says, I am the Lord and I do not change. I am the Lord and I do not change. He has some things about how to bring things. There's this little three-letter word, three letter word. It's called all. Oh, boy, what a word, right? All. Malachi was the last book in the Old Testament. Talking about giving. It starts in Genesis, Cain and Abel. We go into Matthew and the Gospels, and you see right away the greatest gift the greatest example ever given. See, God doesn't just ask us to do things. He will always show he's a great leader. He's a great God. He speaks and he gives example. <laughs> he said, whoa, what is that light? What is that star? God with us. For God so loved you and me that he gave his best. He gave his best. He proved his love by giving his best. He gave his son, his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He valued you so high, so high that he gave his best. So how do we not, like how do we not, how do we not value him so high that we don't in turn give our best? That's a great question, Pastor Steve. I don't know how we don't, right? That's what we should all be saying. How do we? We don't. We, we model that in everything we do. We serve the King of Kings. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's a loving God. I love to serve him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? How about you? Mark 12, 28, 34 says... And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that, he answered them well, asked, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The first and what commandment? Greatest. What? The first and greatest suggestion? No. Who's commanding it? The Lord of heaven's armies. The king of kings. And he says the second's this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandments greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there's no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than a whole burnt offering and sacrifice. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. When we give our all, we're not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask you to just... Give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to let this resonate and sink in. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord, Lord, where am I on this commitment?